What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. And in this episode, we'll be talking about functional medicine. So my guest today is Dr. Will Cole, and he's a leading functional medicine expert who consults people around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. Named one of the 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in nation, Dr. Cole specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing a functional medicine approach for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal imbalances, digestive disorders, and brain problems. He's a best-selling author of Ketotarian and the Inflammation Spectrum, and his latest book, Intuitive Fasting, in which he shows how to use the powerful benefits of flexible intermediate fasting to gain metabolic flexibility and find food peace. So in this episode, Dr. Colin, I will be discussing all the benefits of keto diet and is it healthy to be on keto diet for a long time, three health problems that mimic each other, what is an inflammation and what do we do about it, how to hold yourself accountable to your resolutions, what is the real reason people struggle to lose weight, three natural tools to calm stress and inflammation, what to eat to calm stress, the best ways to support immune system, and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Dr. Cole. Welcome to Not Basic Blonde Podcast. How are you today? Oh my goodness. I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited for the conversation. Oh, I'm so excited too. You have an amazing background and so many great things to share. So I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a functional medicine practitioner. Um, We started over a decade ago, we started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world, meaning we've been consulting people via webcam. 
Um, and my heart and my passion is really for my patients and specifically they are people, most of them are struggling with different autoimmune issues. So um, there's over 140 different autoimmune type issues. So autoimmune issues, uh, autoimmune thyroid problems like Hashimoto's disease, Sjogren's disease, lupus, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, MS. Um, these are some examples, but different various forms of autoimmune issues or people that have other inflammatory problems that may or may not have autoimmune components. Uh, things like anxiety and depression, chronic fatigue issues, hair loss, hormonal problems, digestive problems. So this is what we really focus on. So we drop ship labs to them and really focus on getting them healthy and getting their labs looking great. And those labs are a reflection of why they feel the way that they do. So that's my main focus. And, um, I write books about this stuff too. So I've written a few books. Ketotarian is my first book. Um, it's a mostly plant-based, clean, ketogenic book. And then the second book is called The Inflammation Spectrum. It's really a deep dive in inflammation and what that looks like. And then my newest book, which comes out in February, um, pretty soon, it comes out, it's called Intuitive Fasting. Um, so it's really a, a deep dive in flexible intermittent fasting and how to gain intuition and really govern your life from a place of, in, of intuition. So you can eat intuitively, fast intuitively, and really have a deep knowing of what your body loves and what your body doesn't love. So all of those books are just ripple effects of my day job of focusing on patients and seeing how to use these amazing tools to better your life, to optimize your life. And so that's my long winded uh, description of what I do. <laughs> that's amazing. And you also do it like telemedicine. You actually yeah. don't see the patients, right? You do it over zoom yeah yeah i didn't i mean we started that over a decade ago and we didn't plan on a pandemic but it's just the way that we've always done it because there were other people you know there are people in different states or countries that needed access to functional medicine and we were writing about it i was writing about it or teaching about it and you know that people needed access to this stuff so yeah it doesn't um doesn't matter where you're at we're able to get you this access to this amazing healthcare to find out why you feel the way that they the they do because um, it's really isolating a lot of these problems like autoimmune issues or fatigue or hormonal problems they are silent issues meaning most of the time people look quote unquote normal and they don't people don't realize what it takes just to get through the day dealing with these problems so i want to provide a lifeline to them and it's something that i take really seriously of not only giving them a lifeline and and, and a support system but answers as to why they feel the way that they do and tools to do something about it. So it's definitely a great passion of mine. I love this approach. And well, funny enough, kind of, I do kind of intuitive fasting because I don't like to eat late and I usually eat at 7 PM and then I eat next day, my breakfast, whatever, at 10, I sometimes I eat lunch. So that's how it happens for me. And I like, you know, when I eat late, I totally feel terrible and heavy. And mm -hmm. actually now everyone is crazy about intermittent fasting, but I started that even before that actually was a trend. That's and cool. I know, yeah. And I know your book is coming out. So we would love to know more about your book. Thank you. Yeah. It's really, I love all of my books. It's like picking your favorite kids and I have two kids, but Intuitive Fasting is my favorite book so far that I've written. It was a lot of fun to, to write. Uh, and I really put a lot of heart into it. And I think, you know, as time goes on and you, um, you just get better at doing the, 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 the things that you love. Um, and it's this exploration of 
this dichotomy, right? The, the, as its name implies, intuitive fasting. How could fasting be intuitive? And then you hear this concept of intuitive eating, and people say they're they're fans of intuitive eaters, or they are intuitive eating eaters. What does that mean? I mean, that may sound nice on Instagram. It may sound nice on social media to say I'm I'm an intuitive eater. But when you're struggling with hormonal imbalances or blood sugar imbalances or hangriness or cravings, it's really hard to discern what really intuition is because is it is it stress eating or intuitive eating is it hangriness or intuition is it hormone imbalance or intuition is it blood sugar imbalance or, or, or intuition because all of those things can mask and disguise themselves as your intuition because emo emotional eating or stress eating is not intuitive eating. It's not the same thing. So I want people to actually get to a place of intu intuition, but they have to put the time in. They have to put the consistency in. They have to show up for themselves to actually calm the noise that's going on proverbially in people's bodies. Meaning when you're dealing with chronic inflammation, which is an imbalanced immune system, or you're dealing with hormone imbalance, or you're dealing with gut microbiome imbalance, that is noise in the body uh, and meaning it's going to impact signaling pathways. It's going to impact a balance to really hear that still small voice of your intuition. So I want people to get to a place of intuitive eating, but I want it to not just be a, a nice sounding talking point on social media. I actually want people to truly hear what their body loves and what their body hates and have the awareness and the uh, uh, discernment to know the difference. So through flexible intermittent fasting, it's an amazing tool that's completely free to teach your body uh, to gain some metabolic flexibility. So metabolic flexibility or the ability to burn sugar and burn fat for fuel instead of only being bound in the sugar burning mode, metabolic flexibility is the fertile ground for intuition. It is a, uh, a very healthy environment to know what your body loves because hormones are balanced, inflammation levels are lowered, your gut brain axis, your brain hormonal axis are all working synergistically together for you to hear that still small voice of your intuition. Metabolic inflexibility or metabolic rigidity, being stuck in this sugar burning mode, you're hangry or fatigue, your blood sugar imbalances, you have chronic inflammation, that metabolic rigidity or metabolic inflexibility is the death of intuition. You won't be able to know what your body loves and hates. You'll think craving that junk food is your intuition. You'll think that, you know, being bound by those cravings is your intuition. That is not the same thing. So I really want to get to the place of true, authentic, intuitive eating. So through flexible intermittent fasting, we can get your metabolism flexible. We can, the analogy that I use in the book is, being in a sugar burning mode is like kindling on the fire. You're going to create some light, but you have to keep putting kindling on the fire throughout the day to maintain that light, maintain that energy. Most people are bound and stuck in this kindling burning mode. And if they miss that kindling, they're going to get hangry and irritable and fatigued. The alternative is burning fat for fuel or being fat adapted. And that is putting a log in the fire. You're going to be more sustainably burning. You're going to feel great for longer. You're going to have resounding energy and optimal brain function. Uh, I want people to have the option to burn the kindling and burn the logs from fire or burn sugar and for fat. That's metabolic flexibility. So we, I'm, I'm really going in 
the book, I'm explaining in detail how to gain that through these ebbing and flowing, vacillating, fasting and eating windows. You're training your metabolism. You're training your mitochondria, your cellular, cellular energy factories to become metabolically flexible so you can eat intuitively. Wow, that's a great concept. But also, you know, I see like many doctors are proving that, I mean, not proving, but they also say you have to eat frequently, like five times a day, small portions, otherwise you slow down your metabolism. How does it work compared to intermittent fasting? Like mm -hmm. does intermittent fasting slows down your metabolism? I know it doesn't, but yeah, like, no, compared I, to this theory. Yeah, I think that's a great question and something that I would love to, to talk about. It, that is relatively true. If you're in sugar burning mode, having the six small meals a day is six small kindling. Uh, put You put kindling on the fire six times a day. If you're only stuck in kindling burning mode, six small meals a day is going to be the way that you maintain that kindling on the fire and then maintain that light on the fire. So if your only option is kindling, that is good advice. But the alternative is putting that log on the fire or burning fat for fuel so that you can shift your metabolism to becoming a fat burner, not just a cleaner kindling burner throughout the day or sustainably kindle burning all the day. That is an option, but it's not the only option. Um, so th that is a, one thing I would say that the difference is, is that we're, we're actually going out of that mode for a little bit in intuitive fasting and putting the log on the fire. At that point, you won't need to put six small meals a day because you will be more satiated. You will not be hangry. You will not be irritable. You will not have cravings because you have a log on the fire. It's burning more slower. You have more energy for a longer period of time. So that's the difference. And then the second thing that I would say to that point is that intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding more specifically is what I'm exploring in the book. It's a specific type of intermittent fasting. It's not the same as chronic caloric restriction. So that's the other thing too, that will lower your metabolism. If people are not eating enough food and if they're not eating often enough, if they're hypocaloric or not getting enough calories, that will lower your metabolism over time. So that is definitely something that I wouldn't advocate for. And there's definitely a lot of research to show that chronic caloric restriction will slow your metabolism down. So I, I'm definitely on the same page with that advice. Um, but what I would say is I want you to eat amply. I want, you, I want you to eat until you're satiated. I want you to be eating nutrient-dense healing foods and enough calories to nourish your body and to keep your metabolism burning uh, brightly. But by moving those calories, moving those, that good, delicious food, in specific windows throughout the day or time-restricted feeding, a form of intermittent fasting, you're going to amplify and take your metabolism to the next level. So that's the main difference here is that we're not saying eat less. That, that calorie counting, decreasing your calories over time is going to fail people more than it helps. But what I would say is that let's eat enough healing foods, eating enough, eat enough uh, metabolism supporting foods, but let's do it in very specific ways. So over those four weeks in intuitive fasting, there each week is a specific type of intermittent fast, but no matter which week you're in, you're eating enough foods. Uh, and you're just being very specific about when you're eating it, not how much you're eating. So that is uh, really the heart of what the scientific literature is pointing to as getting into the benefits of intermittent fasting.
Wow, that's that totally makes sense. Now I see why. Because some people, I guess, cut down on calories on the top of like not eating enough. So that's yeah. why they might have problems with it. You also have a book about keto diet. What do you think of keto diet? Is it healthy to be on it for a long time? And there are also studies, some of the studies show like women doctors talk about it a lot that keto diets are not great for women because they mess up their hormones or just like, you know, they're better for men. Do you believe in this? Well, yeah, I think a relatively true, not absolutely true. And context matters. I, I'm in agreement with all of those things. The ketogenic diet done the wrong way in, and, and specific to that person definitely isn't a good thing, meaning that more isn't always better and you can leverage the benefits of something and use it in a specific way. That's like working out in the gym too. It's like, it, are all workouts the same, going to get the same benefit or all workouts should be done the same way for everybody. No, you have to look at, and this is the heart of what I do with my patients. It's bio-individuality. This is the heart of functional medicine. And you don't want to make broad sweeping overgeneralized statements like fasting or the ketogenic diet is bad for women. Well, I mean, you know this, but for people that don't realize this, not all women are the same too. Uh, and it's to be overly reductionist to say, well, it's women and women, it, it's not good for women or it's great for women. Every woman is is so different. Is she struggling with PCOS or endometriosis? Is she struggling with autoimmune issues or metabolic issues or weight loss resistance or fatigue? Or does she not have any of those problems? Is she super lean? Is she have maybe lower, slightly lower thyroid function? That's going to create a completely different outcome based on the individual woman. So it's not helpful for any woman or anybody to be overgeneralized and make blanket statements. But let's look at the specifics of this is that in ketotarian is my first book, which intuitive fasting in many ways is part two of ketotarian. Uh, it is how to use a clean ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting. So a lot of in, intuitive fasting, but my third book is really using the principles that I talked about in ketotarian in my first book, because this is, these are tools that work so well together, both a clean whole foods based, mostly plant-based ketogenic diet or ketotarian works really well with intermittent fasting because they both increase ketosis. They both, both increase beta-hydroxybutyrate, which in the scientific literature, beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB is it's referred to as the fourth macronutrient. So you have proteins, fats, carbs, and ketones. And BHB acts like a fuel for your body. It's that log on the fire. Um, and it start, you start to train your metabolism and you start training your uh, mitochondria to become a fat burner but it's also a signaling molecule, meaning it does really cool things for our health. It passes through the blood brain barrier is great for providing the brain clean fuel and lowering neuroinflammation or brain inflammation, which is what's associated with things like fatigue and anxiety and depression. And it also lowers systemic inflammation levels too. And it increases autophagy, which is our body's cellular recycling. So think of it as like our body's own anti-aging, anti-disease pathways. And it also increases stem cells and it increases uh, uh, antioxidant pathways like the NRF2 pathway and the AMPK pathway. Basically, it does a lot of cool things in the body. Um, both a clean ketogenic diet like ketotarian and intermittent fasting both increase this. So pairing them together amplifies the benefits of both. 
And it, it's that training system of, of think of it as sort of this proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. You're getting your metabolism flexible, just like a yoga class gets your body flexible. So over these four weeks in the book, and you can cycle through these four weeks as much as you need to, to gain that metabolic flexibility. But here's the secret. And it's absolutely true that women have higher levels of kisspeptin and every woman's going to have different levels and every other every woman's going to have different variables to consider interconnected because the body is a brilliant interconnected uh, communication line between many different hormones, many different facets, many different systems of the body. But women tend to have higher levels of kisspeptin, which means that many women, not all women, tend to be more sensitive to a ketogenic state, whether that's through intermittent fasting or a clean ketogenic diet or both, obviously, because they're both increasing ketosis, which is this fat burning state. So it does not mean that women should not be in this state. What I advocate for, and this is what I advocate for in both of the books, is that women do a cyclical ketotarian approach. They're not always in ketosis. Uh, they are spending times in ketosis because that is that proverbial yoga class for your metabolism. So you shouldn't always be there. You should have kindling on the fire and increase your clean carbohydrates, and then you can put the log in the fire. So many women do well with this approach around their cycle. They'll maybe increase their clean carbs around the period and then right after ovulation, or they'll just do it when they want to, again, intuitive fasting to be intuitive with your body, or you'll just do it, you know, uh, longer term, you'll moderate your carbs. You don't always have to be in ketosis. So there's so many ways you can use this tool. So that context is really important because we're all different. We're all created differently. And we can see how to use this tool like intermittent fasting or the clean ketogenic diet specific to you. So one of the things that I'm teaching in intuitive fasting is how to use it good for you instead of saying, well, this is bad or good. Well, how are you using it? I think that's really the important question. Well, I love how you explain and that actually your strategy is kind of built for everyone to go based on their needs, not actually just general statement for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And what women will find out and men, whoever's reading the book, they're going to find out because this is again, born out of me consulting patients. You see so many different variables, you know, if I hung my hat on one way for everybody, I'd be proven wrong all day long. So you have to keep an open mind and really hear a person out and let the person learn about their body to see how to use this tool. So what they're going to learn is that, okay, maybe, she, maybe she's struggling with more weight loss resistance. Maybe she does have insulin resistance. Maybe she does have fatigue. Maybe she's going to probably do better with less clean carb up days, meaning that she's in ketosis longer, at least at the beginning for a couple months there, maybe she's does better with the deeper fasts to really get that log on the fire. And it's going to take a little bit longer to get the log on the fire, or maybe she's pretty metabolically flexible when she's starting out and she's going to do better with more clean carb up days. So she's increasing things like rice or sweet potatoes or fruits or smoothies or things like that. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's, and, and I think that the biggest thing that I want people to understand is be your own experiment, be your own and of one experiment to see what your body loves and what your body doesn't love. So it's not some doctor or some person on social media pontificating and saying, well, this is bad for women, or this is great for women. It's just going to be, you're going to know 
you're going to be operating your life from intuition that you don't need other opinions. It's just going to be your own. I feel better doing this. My labs look better. My energy is better. My sex drive is better. My whatever health goal that you have is better. And that's going to be all the proof that you need. Absolutely. Like listen to yourself. What works for you. Right. Yeah. And in your opinion, what do you think? What are like three health problems that mimic each other? Wow. Um, well, let's talk about low thyroid. I think every cell of our body has a thyroid receptor site. So meaning it affects very, every system in your body. So that thyroid, um, the, uh, impacts your brain. It can lower thyroid hormones are linked to things like anxiety and depression. It can impact your skin. It can impact your hair, like causing hair loss. It can cause digestive, slower digestion or IBS symptoms. It can cause weight loss resistance, trouble losing weight. It can make you cold. It can cause brittle uh, nails as well. So that is a really common thing. Uh, and the research estimates, and this is something that we've seen, it's really one of our top patient bases, people with autoimmune thyroid problems. The uh, data shows that the majority of low thyroid function in the West is autoimmune in nature. Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroiditis being the most common, but Graves' disease is another one too. So there's a lot of uh, symptoms that could cause, uh, there's a lot of uh, symptoms that low thyroid problems can cause. So, but just because in healthcare, just because something's, something looks like a duck doesn't necessarily mean it's a duck. It could be a goose, it could be a duck imposter, it could be something that resembles something, but doesn't mean that you have it. So a lot of people think, because they read it online or they're hearing, they hear all these broad uh, symptoms and they think, thyroid, that's my problem, that's my, that's my issue. But even when we run a full comprehensive thyroid panel in functional medicine, which is a lot more comprehensive than the standard uh, model of care, even though we run the comprehensive labs and we do see low thyroid problems a lot. Uh, but with that said, it's not everybody. So it's really good to look at these mimickers of the, or these like um, case of mistaken identities. Like they, they basically look like something, but they're really not it. So thyroid issues. And then we have to look at other hormonal problems because uh, HPA axis issues or cortisol hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or basically what is your brain saying to your adrenal glands and the rhythm of cortisol throughout the day, cortisol is supposed to be higher in the morning. And then you have this nice S-shaped circadian rhythm throughout the day. And one of the things that we run is cortisol awakening response and looking at the rhythm of cortisol throughout the day. Well, cortisol that's high or low or imbalances of cortisol can mimic the thyroid definitely because it can cause trouble losing weight, it can cause blood sugar fluctuations, it can cause fatigue, it can cause a lot of the same symptoms. Um, and then a third, I mean, you could look at estrogen and progesterone. I think that's an easy answer, but looking at estrogen uh, in all its forms, estrone, estradiol, and estriol, as well as its relationship and ratio to progesterone, female hormones, and testosterone too, if you want that. And looking at all of those things too, that can cause fatigue and trouble losing weight and mood issues and digestive issues too. So all hormones have some overlap as far as potential symptoms. Yeah, there are some hallmark things. Like for example, the thyroid, one like more hallmark sign is the outer third of your eyebrows tend to thin with low thyroid function. Meaning that if you look at just the outer part of your eyebrows, that could be thinner, that could be a sign and that's one potential sign that the thyroid could be a little bit lower. You won't necessarily see that. You shouldn't see that 
it's not associated with estrogen and progesterone, testosterone, or cortisol rhythm dysfunctions. But fatigue is, weight loss resistance is, mood issues, digestive problems, those can be issues with all of those problems. So those are three easy ones. But look, even under, under the umbrella of thyroid issues, that is a really important topic. There's a lot of potential drivers of low thyroid function because autoimmune issues are the most common, but then we have to ask the question, what's driving the autoimmune issues? So things like chronic viral infections, like Epstein-Barr virus, mold, chronic stress and trauma uh, uh, from the past or even currently, underlying gut issues like intestinal permeability. There's a lot of potential drivers of autoimmune thyroid problems. So those are a lot of great mimickers, chronic Lyme disease as well, and co-infections, other co-infections can drive and trigger autoimmune problems as well, and chronic fatigue issues. So those are a lot of great, great mimickers. And then you have to look at all the non-autoimmune thyroid problems too. I mean, not every thyroid problem is autoimmune in nature. So we have to look at the conversion of T4 to T3. We see a lot of low T3 syndrome in patients where their body's producing enough thyroid hormone, but it's not converting it into T3. 80% of that conversion happens in the liver and 20% happens in the gut. So you have to look at liver and gut functions too. And that's just some examples. I mean, the point is, all of these things can be mimickers of other things. So it's important to run labs. It's important to get a comprehensive health history. It's important to go to somebody that knows what they're talking about. So you really can uncover this stuff instead of like looking on Dr. Google and saying, well, I have this, this, and this symptom. Oh, it must be this. Well, that may be true. And I definitely want to validate the person's intuition. And I definitely want to hear them because it's their body and they know more than most people do. But at that point, I want to substantiate their intuition with some labs. What I've noticed and personally, I ran into this issues like primary care doctors, they don't really rush you into taking like all the hormonal panel. Like, you know, they don't really want you to take um, tests like hormonal tests. And sometimes I ask them, like, can I can you do for me like full hormonal panel? And mm -hmm. they were like, oh, your thyroid is fine. And this is fine. You don't really need it. But then like someone has issues with something and it's not really offered anywhere. I'm glad you guys do it. And, but actually people have to go to specialists who does it and primary care. They don't really, I, I feel like they're not knowledgeable enough about it. I don't know, but it's not as highly recommended always. They don't really offer it unless you actually ask and point out at them. You're absolutely right. I think it really you have to look at the so standard model of care and what the training is. They're brilliant at diagnosing a disease and match it with a medication. So there's a lot of people that fall through the cracks of that broad sweeping over generalized approach. So they're looking for things like diabetes, they're looking for things like high blood pressure, they're looking for things like high cholesterol, look, they're looking at things like thyroid, but they need the thyroid TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone to be above 4.0 or around that to give levothyroxine or synthroid or some sort of thyroid replacement hormone. The point is there are a lot of low thyroid problems to use that ex as an example, but that's really not the only exa example, but to use that as an example, they'll need the number to be pathological to give you the appropriate medication. But the problem is there is a lot of low thyroid function that won't show up on standard conventional labs, because look, that reference range that people are getting, whether you're talking about a TSH or another lab they're being compared to largely based off of that reference range on the lab. This is one of the main differences between functional medicine and conventional medicine. 
the reference range is largely based on a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. People that go to labs are not the healthiest bunch of people, largely speaking. So there's a lot of people that will go to their doctor. The doctor says, like, let's run these labs, or they are asking for the labs, the patient is, and the labs come back, quote unquote, normal, even though the person, no, person knows intuitively, heck, this isn't normal for me. But the doctor says, you know, everything's fine. You're just depressed. There's an antidepressant or you're just a new mom or you're just getting older. All these sort of well-intentioned reasons as to how the heck you could be having symptoms despite these quote unquote normal labs. Well, just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And comparing yourself to people who go to labs is no way for you to know how you can feel your best because the it's just not looking at vibrant health. So the Cleveland Clinic then Functional Medicine Center at the Cleveland Clinic. Every doctor there is trained through the Institute for Functional Medicine or IFM. That's who's trained myself and my team. And what we look at in functional medicine is the functional range where your body is functioning the best. That is not just the lab reference range. So we want to look at where does vibrant wellness reside, which is typically a thinner range within that larger reference range of where you feel the best. So I want to get the person there. If they're not there in the functional range, I want to get them there. So there's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of spectrum type issues, meaning that it's not going to be so obvious. It's going to be the lab's going to say, oh my gosh, this is high or low but it's still gonna be on this spectrum of dysfunction that we can optimize. And we have to know what we're dealing with to do something about it. And that's the main issue, that the training and the standard model of care is to diagnose a disease and match it with the medication. So all the things I just said are superfluous from a conventional medicine standpoint, because the end result still gonna be that medication. Like if the TSH is above 4.5, give them Synthroid, give them Levothyroxine. But why do I have the problem in the first place? So if someone's going through the interconnected kind of connections of what's the context of their low thyroid problem, the end result in the conventional medicine system is still going to be that T3, that T4, the levothyroxine, the synthetic T4. But from a functional medicine standpoint, I want to know the individual specifics of what's going on. It is overly simplistic to say you are your TSH or you are any one number on a paper. And remember, I mean, every lab is a snapshot in time whenever you got that lab. That Where are you at the other 23 hours and 59 minutes when you're not being tested? Uh, so it's really important to put labs into context and really listen to somebody because they're dealing with this every day and it does us no service to delegitimize. And I think that there's a systematic, albeit maybe de uh, unintentionally, but a systematic delegitimization of women that know their bodies, that know this isn't normal for them to deal with these problems, but they're told by the doctor they're just depressed. Well, anybody that feels the way that they feel is going to feel a little bit depressed. That's not the root cause of why they feel the problem in the first place. And nobody is ultimately sick from a medication deficiency. So I want to find out why do I have the problem in the first place? And that does not just apply to the thyroid. You have to look at the whole body and really understand the specifics of the individual. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And also a huge part of it that we have now is inflammation. It causes by so many foods that we eat. And in general, just some people struggle with it. And what do you think about inflammation and how can we prevent it? Well, inflammation is a product of our immune system. So in balance, inflammation is actually a great thing. Um, it is a 
fights viruses and fights bacteria. It's a really good thing. But chronic inflammation is inflammation out of balance. It's this sort of this forest fire that's burning in perpetuity. That is a problem. Chronic inflammation is associated from everything under the sun when it comes to autoimmune conditions, anxiety, depression, diabetes, heart disease, hormone imbalances, all of these things are chronic inflammatory problems or have inflammatory components to them. And this is not just my opinion. This is in the, the, in the scientific literature. It's in the data. We know that these, this is like just the pathophysiology of these problems. But um, so we want to bring balance to the body. We want to balance inflammation levels in the body and support healthy, balanced, measured, appropriate inflammatory responses. So there are many ways to do that. There's many ways to modulate uh, proper healthy inflammation levels or calm inflammation levels in the body. Um, intermittent fasting is actually a great one. Uh, and that's something that I'm really exploring intuitive fasting is that when you're increasing that fourth macronutrient, when you're increasing ketosis through intermittent fasting and a clean nutrient dense ketogenic diet, that's cyclical. You are tapping into your body's own endogenous anti-inflammatory pathways. Paracelsus, he was a father of modern medicine. He was in Switzerland in the late 1400s, early 1500s. He's known as the father of toxicology and the Martin Luther of medicine because he was reforming medicine at the time. He called fasting, and I love this phrase, Paracelsus called fasting the physician within. So it's sort of your body's own inner doctor, uh, that inner intuition that you can really tap into to heal. So a lot of chronic inflammatory problems are abated and calmed with flexible, light, vacillating, ebbing and flowing uh, intermittent fasting windows because you're down-regulating these pro-inflammatory cytokines. So things like NF-kappa-B, the COX-2 pathway, the NLRP3 inflammasome, these are pro-inflammatory cytokines that are high in things like autoimmune conditions or diabetes or anxiety, depression. We can lower those naturally by tapping into this physician within, by increasing beta-hydroxybutyrate, this ketone, to lower those inflammatory pathways and increase anti-inflammatory pathways, like the AMPK pathway, the NRF2 pathway. These are pro-antioxidant, pro-health pathways. We can increase stem cells. We can increase autophagy, that cellular recycling pathways, cellular renewal pathways. We can do all of this by activating this physician within. So it's something that's so exciting and it's completely free. People can just target specific windows. They still are eating enough foods when they are eating, but by doing the fasts that I talk about in intuitive fasting, you really can tap into these anti-inflammatory benefits. Then of course, the foods that you eat play another part of that. So that's the yin and the yang and the fasting and the feasting are both, both sides of the same coin that should work in synergy together to support healthy balance inflammation levels. So that's why I don't advocate for you to fast your way out of a poor diet. I think that fasting is an amazing tool when you are fasting, but when you come out of that fast, can you continue supporting anti-inflammatory pathways? And that's what the ketotarian diet is. It is a clean nutrient dense diet that of course it's going to be supporting ketosis cyclically, but it's way more than that too. Uh, it is also fiber rich for your gut microbiome. It's polyphenol rich from the antioxidants. You're going to get it from these foods. It's healthy fat rich, which is going to be great for calming inflammation, supporting brain health and hormone health. It's all of that stuff. So it really starts with fasting and feasting. It really starts with the food and the fasts. That's the fundamental like core stuff 
that you can calm inflammation because every food you eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. There's no, no, I'm doing nothing for your physiology food. There's no Switzerland meal. There's no neutral food when it comes to these things. We can help to lower and support healthy, balanced inflammation levels through our foods. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm exploring in intuitive fasting. It's very interesting how our body can heal itself if we provide it like the proper nutrition and if we don't abuse it. Yeah. I mean, the human body is amazingly resilient. And this is really the heart of what a lot of researchers are looking at is why are we seeing these epidemic numbers of autoimmune issues, depression, anxiety? Why are we seeing diabetes and insulin resistance like higher, like ever, like never before in human history? Why are we seeing that? Well, researchers are really exploring this mismatch between genetics and epigenetics. So our genetics researchers estimate haven't changed in about 10,000 years, but yet our world has changed very dramatically in a very short finite period of time when put into context with the totality of human history. You know, the foods that we eat, the foods we're not eating, our stress levels, environmental toxins, all of these things are constantly and dynamically influencing genetic expression. So fasting and eating in a nutrient dense way is more in alignment with our genetics from an ancestral health perspective. So it starts to utilize our genes and utilize our physiology in a way that it's evolved with and adapted with adapted to over time. So it's just realigning, it's decreasing that chasm between genetics and epigenetics or our DNA and our environment. That's really the, the, what it is. It's just science and it's utilizing science to our benefits to give our body the things that it needs, the things that it's adapted to. So the things that people are struggling with, like mental health issues, inflammatory problems, metabolic issues, autoimmune issues, these are largely overcomable, supportable, healable, reversible, dealable with things, but you have to give your body the tools it needs to find that balance again. Uh, and that's really what I, the heart of my work is. Absolutely. And what do you think, why so many people struggle to lose weight? What's the main reason for it? It, it, it simple answers, it's metabolic inflexibility. So that's really the core principle of intuitive fasting is when you're Meta, when you're metabolically inflexible, that is a, the death of intuition, but beyond that, you're going to be finding a few hallmark things that will make it very difficult to lose weight in most people. That doesn't mean everybody with metabolic inflexibility has weight loss resistance or weight gain. Some of them don't, but many people do have various amounts of these is that you'll see higher insulin levels. Insulin is a fat storing hormone and it's going to make it really difficult to lose weight. You're going to see higher leptin levels um, and leptin is a hormone that our fat cells produce to tell the brain, the hypothalamic cells of the brain to burn fat for fuel. The person is leptin resistant. The brain's not getting the message. So you could look at food and gain weight. You could eat like a rabbit and gain weight with leptin resistance. And then uh, inflammation, inflammation is going to blunt almost every receptor site to anything. It can cause thyroid resistance and lower thyroid function. It can decrease the conversion of T4 to T3 for thyroid hormones. So chronic inflammation is part of that too. So insulin resistance, leptin resistance, 
chronic inflammation, they're all part of that same problem. It's various forms of metabolic issues. So that's really the hallmark of a lot of people's weight loss resistance is they have to normalize leptin levels. They have to normalize glucose and in turn their blood, normalize their insulin and in turn their glucose levels, their blood sugar, and they have to lower chronic inflammation, which will improve signaling pathways of every system, every hormone, every neurotransmitter in the body. When you do that, you will become more metabolically flexible. So that's really the heart of what intuitive fasting is. It's just we, what we're doing is building that, that metabolic flexibility because that will be, you'll become a fat burner. You'll be, be able to overcome the weight loss resistance. And I'm really used to seeing very difficult cases and you know, no matter what symptom you're talking about, but weight loss resistance is one of them. And people that have tried everything, my patients are super smart. They know more than more, most doctors do when it comes to health. And they are doing more than for their health than most people are, but they're still struggling. So I really put the heart of my work in all the stuff that I do because I want people to overcome these things. I see on an almost hourly basis, people being able to overcome these issues. They are not quick fix problems, like struggling with hormonal problems, struggling with insulin resistance, struggling with weight loss resistance or fatigue or an autoimmune issue. Overcoming that is not a quick fix issue, but it's something when you show up for yourself, and use these principles of self-care as a form of self-respect and be consistent with it, then I see the insurmountable overcome with just consistency. Wow. I love this approach. I love this strategy. Yeah. Because it totally Thank makes you. sense as far as some people try to increase their training or they try to switch out their workout routines, but sometimes it still doesn't help and they go on crazy diets or they just like try to change diet as well, but then it just kind of not gives them any results, but I love how you explain as far as like metabolic resistance. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, the body is so resilient. Just give, give your body the time it needs, give your body the tools that it needs. And that if just being consistent with that is amazing. I've seen people that are up against the most difficult things regain their health. I've seen people up against such difficult stuff in their life, start to overcome it, whether that be weight loss resistance or whatever we're talking about. Yeah. In your opinion, what is the best wellness routine? Well, I mean, the best wellness routine is, is bio-individual. The, the best wellness routine is what's right for you. That's what it is. That's what it is. So it's going to have some principles to it, right? But I think really it serves people and for people to know that just because you read it on a blog, heard it on social media, even heard it on a podcast, what works for one person may not be right for you. And that's really the heart of what I'm teaching to my patients, of course, but I put this stuff in intuitive fasting because I want people to learn what their body loves. So that wellness routine, we're using tools like intermittent fasting, but we're using tools like a clean ketogenic diet, just to get that your head above water, just to gain metabolic flexibility. But through that, when you start creating that metabolic flexibility and putting that log on the fire and you're feeling better and you're getting your head above water, at that point, you can start to learn and have a grace and a lightness to what your body loves and what it doesn't love. So that wellness retreat team will be born out of a deep knowing of what your body needs and what it doesn't need. So that routine is going to evolve as your intuition expands, which is really a cool thing to see because then at that point, it's not a program. It's not a diet. It's not a routine. Even it is just, I, I love feeling better 
more than I miss things that make me feel really lousy. And I love feeling great more than I miss this food that makes me feel really bad. So it's such a cool thing because then they own it for themselves. And it's not a diet or a program or a thing that they tried. It's not a fad diet thing. It is just integrating feeling great into your life. So that wellness routine should be governed by intuition. And that's really the heart of what I'm talking about in intuitive fasting. Um, For myself, like what I like to do um, as I eat a ketotarian diet, it's cyclical. I do intermittent fasting. It changes with the day. And and uh, what I want people to also learn through the book is that they're going to like certain fasts better and not, they're going to maybe not like ones so much. That's okay. I want you to also sample these different types of intermittent fast to know where you feel the best. And I'm constantly reminding people throughout the book is check in with your energy levels, check in with your weight loss resistance, check in with your digestion, check in with your sleep to see where you feel the best to start to become mindful and conscious as to how you feel on any thing. Then you'll know when you've done two or three rounds of the flexible fasting planning in the book, you may know, okay, I do better in the fast in week three, or I did better in the fast in week one. And then you can do more of that and less of the other ones. We're all different. So that wellness routine will evolve as someone grows their intuition, or at least their awareness of their intuition. I agree. Yeah. And what do you think the best ways to support your immune system? Well, um, there are many ways. I mean, um, Intermittent fasting is one of my favorite ways. I don't want to make that about everything. So let's just talk about intermittent fasting. It will, a lot of the same pathways, as far as I said, said, lowering inflammation levels, increasing autophagy, antioxidant pathways. It also resets your gut microbiome, which is 75% of your immune system. So to talk about immunity or supporting a healthy immune system, you have to look at where the predominance of the immune system resides, which uh, fasting is a great way to reset your gut microbiome. So researchers are actually exploring this circadian rhythm of the gut microbiome, which I find very fascinating, is that they find that throughout the day, almost like a clock, you'll see certain colonies of bacteria that are higher in the morning, and then certain other colonies that will be higher in the evening. And that ebb and flow, that circadian rhythm of all the trillions of bacteria and yeast in the microbiome will shift throughout the day. Many people, if they're constantly snacking, constantly eating inflammatory foods, never giving their gut a break, digesting food requires a lot of energy. Your gut microbiome is, there's a lot of overgrowths, bacterial overgrowths, yeast and fungal overgrowths. There's a lot of dysbiosis, things like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. There's intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome. There may be inflammation levels going in the gut. The gut is not the healthiest. Well, intermittent fasting is giving your gut time to repair, again, that physician within, to regain that circadian rhythm of the gut microbiome, which honestly, if I had to give my professional opinion on this, I think regulating the gut microbiome is one of fasting's most causative things that it does for us because our gut influences so many other systems in the body. I think resetting the gut microbiome is one of the core things that has amazing ripple effects for the rest of the body, impacting hormones in our brain and overall inflammation levels, et cetera. Because Hippocrates, the other father of modern medicine, he said all disease begins in the gut. And Hippocrates also used fasting for his patients too. But it is a great uh, way to deal with the root cause of a lot of people's health problems. But in addition to fasting, I think other ways that I love to support um, my immune system food is primary, right? You cannot supplement your way out of a poor diet. So, food, eating nutrient dense foods, healthy fats, 
lots of polyphenol rich foods. A lot of things that I mentioned earlier also support the immune system. Because again, remember, supporting healthy balance inflammation, which is a product of the immune system, supports healthy immune system. So that's definitely a part of that. Um, specific foods. Um, I like I like, what do I like? I love tea. I love tea. I think tea is a great thing to do. Um, you can fast with tea as well. So fasting with some tea is a great thing. So green tea, easy thing, right? It has EGCG, which is a great polyphenol catechin, these uh, antioxidants in green tea, but it's also in black tea. All tea is, um, all, all different, all teas are true teas are from the same plant. They're actually grown just differently and prepared differently. So black tea, white tea, green tea, oolong tea, pu'er tea, um, I think I said them all, are all types of the same tea. Camellia sinensis, that's the, the true tea type. So I love all of those. And they all have different various forms of catechins and polyphenols and benefits and exciting research around it, looking at the benefits. But a lot of it's supporting healthy immune system and lowered inflammation levels and antioxidant supporting things. And I like herbal teas too. I like rooibos. Uh, hibiscus is a good tea. Talk about the immune system. Hibiscus um, has vitamin C, which is a good supporter of the immune system. So some caffeine-free options there. And I love soups and stews because remember most of our immune systems in our gut. So a lot of broths and soups and stews, cooked vegetables, things that are gentler to digest is really good supportive of the immune system too. So those are some things that come to mind. I love teas too. I don't drink coffee, so I drink herbal teas. Yeah. And as far as yeah. soups, I always make sure I have them in my diet because I feel like my meal is not complete at the lunchtime if I don't have a soup. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a great thing. Yeah. And like, it's interesting enough how we always think that, oh, we have to take lots of vitamin C or we have to take the supplements to support our immune system, but we forget about that. It's all in our gut. Yeah. And so true. I mean, you literally, I mean, through fasting, eating nutrient dense foods, you're going to get most of what your body needs just from that. Uh, because it's that physician within you're going to be getting your nutrients and the time to repair the yin and the yang for your body to do most of it. And that doesn't mean there isn't time and place for supplementation. I'm a fan of that too, but that's secondary. That's like beyond the fundamental stuff. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you and where can they purchase your book? Yeah, I thanks again for having me. Um, everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com, Dr. Will Cole. And um, they can pre-order or order whenever they're hearing this, intuitive fasting. Um, I didn't mention this, but Gwyneth Paltrow wrote the foreword of the book. Um, so I'm really honored about that. And she she's intuitive fasting too. Um, but they can pre-order it there. They can get it on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all of those things, support ind independent bookstores too. Um, and then we, they have, we have tons of free content. We offer a free health evaluation at Dr. Will Cold Who um, for people that want to get a webcam or phone guidance on things to see if functional medicine is right for them and see if a consult with me is, is a good next step for them. Nice. Thank you so much, Dr. Cole. It was my pleasure. Thank you for being my guest. Oh, thanks for having me. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you haven't, subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.